Welcome to the Future Design Academy podcast, which is all about how to find and do the work you love. Hosted by Rachel Sparks, master career navigator, author, and international HR executive. This show is where you will learn how to deliberately design your career and ultimately be your best self and do your best work. Welcome to the first episode of the Future Design Academy podcast. This is Rachel Sparks, a future designer, an executive coach, and I've called myself a career navigator and currently working as a full-time HR executive in a global technology organization. Uh, in this very first episode, I'm actually going to re-record a uh, episode that I did and the audio was no good, so this is my second time at it, uh, so hopefully I'll uh, do it justice. I'm going to be covering the 10 top career mistakes that people make. Um, I interviewed, I don't know, 10,000 or so people in my early career as a recruiter and uh, I'm commonly in interviews and conversations with people about their careers inside uh, organizations as a HR executive. So have noticed common uh, mistakes that people make uh, when they're looking at their career design. So the first thing I want everybody to know is what I'm about is um, the Future Design Academy exists to help people to do two, three things. We want to make sure people, number one, get paid what they're worth. So that is to do with things like, we'll be talking about getting pay rises, promotions and positions um, within their organizations. The second thing is we want you to be working with people you like. So what that means is working in organizations and teams that are aligned with your values, um, that you can identify a growth culture and that you work with and identify inspiring leaders. And then of course, to do work you love. <clears throat> doing work you love means that you're doing work that is purposeful for you, has meaning for you, and where you can make a contribution. So those three things, uh, getting paid what you're worth, working with people you like, and doing work you love. So. What holds people back from doing those three things? So that's what a great career is. That's what um, a successful career is, those three things. So what holds people back? Well, I have noticed it's these 10 things. So the first thing is being reactive. And what I mean by that is it's not literally sitting down and having a plan or having a vision for your career. So most people, when they come to me, they are saying they're stuck or they're feeling a bit not sure about what they want to do or they're unhappy uh, but they've never actually sat down and set aside time to think about what they want to do in their career where they want to go what their values are what's important to them the types of things um, that give them meaning etc and they only respond to what comes up for them in their career for example somebody comes to them with a job offer uh, or they get laid off and then they have to go out and be uh, proactive in the market so the top advice is to be really proactive in what your career vision is and your career design is and take steps along the way to make sure that you're uh, feeding your career plan as well as your general work that you're doing at work. The second mistake is not having clear goals. So there is absolutely evidence that when you write down goals and are clear about where you want to go, that you get there. If the opposite of that is not being sure about where you want to go and not knowing how to get there. Of course, we change along the way. We want different things when we're 20 than when we're 40. That is fine. But the important thing is that you have a cadence in your life, whether it's every year 
whether it's every quarter, whether it's every couple of years for you, that you do sit down and set yourself some goals. The goals might be financial, they might be around education, they might be around positions that you want to get to, they might be around contribution and impact that you have within your career. But not having those goals, you are very um, confused, I guess, about what it is that you're wanting to get and you don't know how to measure when you arrive there. Number three is lack of self-awareness. Now, this is huge. One of the major problems that I find when people are feeling the emotion of unhappiness in work is probably because they are feeling what I call out of alignment with their values. But most people don't know what their values are. And values are things that are important to them. So a value that I have is, for example, to be authentic. Um, some people value family, some people value freedom, some people value making a contribution. If you don't know what your values are and you start to be unhappy in your organisation, it's probably because your values are being, uh, you're not in alignment with those values. But if you don't know what they are, then it's hard for you to make a fix on those values or really to identify the right team or the right organisation to work in that's in alignment with those values. So a good first step is to identify things like that. But self-awareness is not just about values. It could be about the way you like to be managed. It could be about how you best work and how you thrive, your time management. It could be around really doing some work on what influences you. Do you need to let go of core beliefs that are holding you back? Do you need to let go of uh, people or things that influence you that are not healthy, for example? The self-awareness piece of coaching is huge and it takes time to get into this. And it is not scary, but it does take a little bit of time and a bit of um, effort to really do that self-questioning around self-awareness. Uh, once you get there, on the other side, you feel a lot happier and sometimes don't make mistakes or decisions uh, that you wouldn't normally have made when maybe you just needed to uh, tweak something little in your career instead of make huge changes just because your values were out of alignment, for example. Number four is being overly influenced by others. So I see this all the time in mid-careers. So what I mean by this is you might not have a conscious awareness that you're being influenced, for example, by your parents even into your mid-30s or 40s. Um, this is normal because we grew up in a society where we are conditioned to be influenced by other people and not really think for ourselves. But uh, at some point we, in our adult life, we need to really think about um, you know, what we are guided by and uh, be guided by our own individual um, selves. So if you are a lawyer or an accountant or whatever it is because somebody else told you to be that and you never really sat down and thought about what you want to be, that's being overly influenced by others. Um, if you, for example, might compete with somebody, I uh, had this story where a girl wanted to get a particular role in a large consulting organisation, not because she particularly wanted to work in that consulting organisation. In fact, all of her values and the way that she worked pointed towards the fact that she probably would hate working in consulting, but she wanted to work for this big brand, this big, you know, Ernst & Young sort of brand because she literally identified that she thought that somebody from her university would think that she would be jealous of her. She was, you know, really being influenced by competing with this person from university who she wasn't really even in touch with, and that was going to be an impact and a factor to her career-making um, choices. So, definitely spend a bit of time just checking in with yourself about who influences you uh, when you make your career decisions. 
Number five is uh, being overly focused on money. Look, it makes sense when we get out of university, we have student loans and we wanted to buy houses and we're getting married and you know we we absolutely want to be um i guess climbing the ladder from a money perspective but being overly focused on money and only making decisions on money is a trap because you will be miserable <laughs> if you are not doing work you enjoy at least the type of work you enjoy and if you're not working in an environment or with people who are kind and courteous and supportive you will hate your life so don't just take the job just because of the money it is a factor absolutely and absolutely should be thinking about increasing your value so you can increase your income but don't just take roles because of money it's going to bite you on the butt <laughs> down the line number six is lack of self-belief <clears throat> so i see this a lot in people's careers and a mistake where predominantly with women so there absolutely is a gender difference in the women I coach versus the men that I coach. And I went to a conference once where they explained that women are less likely to think that they are uh, suitable to go for a promotion or a new job if they don't think they're 10 out of 10 for a job description, for example, where men, if they're five or six out of 10, they would put their head in the ring and give it a crack. And I have seen this absolutely in practice again and again and again. It absolutely is about, do you think you have what it takes to give it a go? And the lack of self-belief does hold you back from pay rises, from promotions, from new positions, from new opportunities, from you know putting your hand up and having an innovative idea heard. And it is a tool and a practice to learn over time. I highly recommend working with a coach or working with a psychologist to work on that. Um, finding a sponsor within your organization or a mentor within your organization who sees your potential more than you see it yourself because it is normal to not have self-belief when you are certainly junior or young or a woman. Um, but know that is malleable and learnable and you can build your self-belief your self-belief over time. Uh, you don't want to be held back by that mis career mistake. Number seven is not investing in yourself. So what this means is you do a good job, uh, but you're not really setting aside time to either do the career planning or maybe make sure you're getting mentored or make sure that you're going to do those training courses. Um, absolutely every single year you need to be doing something which is investing in yourself. Think of it like energy out, energy in. You have to recharge the investment that is you. You are your only investment if you're a PAYG or what I mean, an employee. And so you must be making sure that you're putting something in, not just getting experience. I'm talking about courses, certifications, training, mentoring, coaching, etc. Um, the people who do this are absolutely head and shoulders above the rest when it comes to career success. Number eight is not marketing yourself well. And what I mean by that is when you are on the job market, or if you are out there networking, or if you are inside an organization wanting to um, be a mover and shaker within an organization, you are sitting at your desk quietly hoping and wishing that somebody's just going to notice your brilliance and come to you with your dream job. And that's not going to happen. <laughs> what you need to do is understand that the concept of marketing is how you need to apply that to your own career. So think about marketing, there's a product and there's an audience and then there's a message in between and that message is delivered via multiple channels. 
So you are the product and you've got to figure out what your product is. So is your product a service? Is your product a skill? Is your product a particular level of leadership? So it's impact across multiple geographies, etc. Really get really clear on what your product and expertise is that you love doing. And then you're going to figure out, well, who is the audience that is going to want to know about your product or service? Now, that might be your uh, dream company in a particular location. At, there might be 20 types of organizations or industries that you're really interested in working in. Uh, and then what you want to be doing is identifying people within those organizations who are your target market or your audience who want to hear about you. Uh, and the message or the medium in between is, well, what is your message? You want to be talking to them about your wins, about your impact, about what you've been able to achieve for organizations and others, and the way or the medium of which you say that, or the channels, could be. Uh, you could be meeting people at networking. You could be having a coffee with them. You could be meeting people through an introduction from another person. You could be meeting people on LinkedIn. You could be reaching out to them on social media. There's multiple channels of ways to market yourself. Don't just rely on sending a CV or sending a little quick link on LinkedIn to market yourself. That is not marketing. It's one small component of an overall marketing plan. Uh, number nine is not learning how the job hunting market really works. I touched on that a little bit just then, but I was a technical recruiter for 12 years before I got into HR, and I have the inside sort of scoop on how the job market works. And there's some really practical realities of, for example, when you are sending your CV, to a comp company either via uh, Seek or a, a job board, generally those companies have what they call an applicant tracking system that grabs your CV from those job boards and uh, they scan it. It's called parsing it. And they scan it for keywords. And uh, that then ranks your CV, all the applicants. There's normally about 100 applicants, I would say, on average for every role that are ever, ever put up in technology. It might be different in different industries, but for professional roles, there was a, between 100 and 150 applicants that we had. And these systems would sort of rank the top 10 uh, CVs for us. Now, if you just didn't happen to have the right keywords in your CV, you could have been the perfect candidate, but you may not have made that top 10 list. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you're not good. It doesn't mean that the company's not good or the technology is not good. It's just the way that the technology works. So what that means is if you're applying for roles, don't just leave it up to technology or chance that you're going to get into the top 10. Make an extra connection. Reach out. See if there's somebody at that organization that you know that you can have a coffee with. Really, it's about connection and relationship as well as the CV. The CV is just one small thing, and that's just one channel in. But you want to do extra work to make sure that you can um, sort of get in front of the right people in that organization. The other thing is, of course, the channel, right? So the recruiter channel versus the direct hiring channel. Uh, this is absolutely, you know, you really need to understand that the recruiter channel, they are doing their best to fill that role, but that they have 40 or 50 or 100 roles that they're filling at any one time. The line manager has 20 people in his team, 10 to 20 people in his team. He wants to make a good hire quickly. And so if you can get in front of the line manager or understand who that person is, then you're going to be in a much better position to be able to pitch yourself for that role. So again, networking, getting in front of the right people, it does take a bit of work, but um, you know these are the things that will help in the job hunting market. But if you are inside an organization, it's much easier. 
even if it's a large organisation like a bank with 30,000 people or a technology organisation, when you understand who the person is, that I call it the man, the person with the money, authority and the need to hire you and you get in front of them or at least you can have a coffee with them or at least you can then they know that you exist and what you can do, that's when you your career prospects open up more and more and more. Number 10, last but not least, is of course screwing up interviews. <laughs> so of all things that I've done the most of, I probably have had the more interviews than any other thing that I've done with, with another individual. So I think it's really interesting because I get why people don't do interviews well because you, if you're not a recruiter or working in HR, you're probably only interviewing like once a year or, you know, once every couple of years if you're not, you know, if you're gainfully employed. Um, and then you're sort of, you know, interviewing a, a lot and then you're not interviewing again for a while. So it's not a skill that you constantly are keeping up. Um, but absolutely, there are some really key tips to um, interviewing well, which I'll cover in the podcast and um, in some masterclasses at length. But certainly not being prepared for interviews, um, not doing your research. Um, there's some tips and tricks I can teach people. I will teach you about reverse engineering, some questions that you can take if you've got a position description or even if you don't. So you can be really prepared for an interview. And I know, um, and keep in control what you can keep in control. So I totally get that sometimes you're going in for an interview and the people aren't good interviewers. I get it. But you want to be totally in control of your interview to give, give you the best chance of getting that role, whether you're inside an organisation or coming as a external candidate into an organisation. Um, it's a really, really key skill that you need to nail, of course, um, if you want to do well in your career. So that is the end of the first podcast. I hope you enjoyed um, these common mistakes I've seen people make after meeting thousands of people over the last 20 years of my career. I'm looking forward to sharing more insights and um, more masterclasses on tools and tips that you can do to apply uh, so you can find and do the work you love. This has been Rachel Spax. Looking forward to uh, sharing some time with you next time. Thank you for listening to the Future Design Academy podcast. We believe that everyone can design a career that aligns to their unique passions and talents and find the courage to take that path. We hope that you have enjoyed the show and will take action to apply something learned today so that you too can find and do the work you love. Don't forget to subscribe for more inspiring and practical episodes from Rachel and the Future Design Academy. If you are interested in working with Rachel to be your best self and do your best work and are ready to design the career you really want, then please head to www.futuredesignacademy.com and check out her online and group coaching programs today.